All right. Welcome to The Five After School, the podcast where a middle-aged man and a younger-aged uh, <laughs> a younger-aged man get together and react to The Five, which is the podcast of two middle-aged men. Um, one of those middle-aged men, uh, Brian Maury, is with me today. Um, Hello. I'm here. Yeah. And in this podcast, which we're just starting right now, um, we react to different episodes of The Five, which is why it's called after school um you know and in case you guys didn't know i was actually a former student of mr maury's brian i guess is what i'm calling him now uh-huh. but um hence the after school uh the after school aspect yeah um, so, so to, to 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 piggyback on that when alan was a was a young buck in high school um we connected we met i think on the tennis team right as a tennis coach correct, we were, correct. that's where i first met coach. you yeah and uh, and we just connected to a point where Alan would just hang out a little bit, you know, and would be there in my room after school. And as four years went on, we got closer and just had conversations and the relationship kept going. So uh, and we're still buds today. I mean, heck, that was shoot. What was that? Eight years, nine years ago? I think it was nine years ago. So we've known each other for 13 years. No, no, no. It was 2009. So oh. it was like 12 years ago because I was go. a freshman in high school. Man. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. So we've known each other for a while is the point. Yeah. Here. And for yeah. me, it's not weird, but you have gone from like, stu- like player to- and coach relationship to teacher and, st- and student relationship now to like peer relationship. So I yeah. don't know, whatever. Um, but you, I don't know. I- I'm down with it either way. Enough to yeah. where we are now recording a podcast together. So I-, I think it's the most cool and surreal. One of the top five <laughs> most cool and surreal things ever. Um, cool. I'm yeah. on board. Yeah, you were my coach. And then I think I think what drew me in was like, I walked in your classroom in one of the Blue Valley High School mobiles one day and then mm-hmm. like looking at, I don't know, pictures or something from China. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I uh, I used to like I went to Ur- Urumqi in China and taught English mm-hmm. there. I was like, this guy's cool. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the more I talked to you, you're like, you just asked one thought provoking question after another. And um, I was. I was confronted with ways that helped me personally grow and mature that I don't think I would have gotten otherwise. So well, I this think is the dream, it's the yeah. dream to have a student, a former student tell you this. So, yeah. So, so I, I, I feel, I feel very grateful. Um, cool. Yeah. So, all right. Um, welcome to the five after school. And um, before we actually jump into the meat of today's episode, I just want to say um, every episode we do here is a reaction to the original five. Um, podcast. So you can find a link in the description. Um, and you'll probably want to listen to the episode we discuss before jumping in. So you're not totally confused. Um, but we have to talk about the five because uh, I want to say congratulations on a soon to be 100 episodes of the podcast. Yes, it literally will be dropping tomorrow is the hope is the 100th episode. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, two so years po- of podcasting. <laughs> Before it was hip, before COVID hit and everyone started doing podcasts, I was about six months ahead of everybody. Mm, so always ahead of the curve. Actually, uh, I saw a um, I saw a tweet yesterday by BJ Novak from the Office. Yeah, where he said the way the, the the quote said, "If you want two men to get together and share their feelings, just put a microphone in front of them and call it a podcast," <laughs> which is a uh, kind of what Ryan and I have been doing on our podcast. So so it's all good. So thank you, thank you for that. It's been really cool. Yeah, and actually, before we talk about a reaction. You know, in in honor of the 100 episodes, I wanted to ask you five questions about your podcast. Um, oh, geez! So okay. the audience can learn about it. So, 
basic question, you know, like why did you and Ryan Mahoney decide to start it? Well, Ryan was at the time, I would say was a, um, so we're both teachers at the same high school and we're pretty, it's weird. Our, our contexts are very similar. We're tall white guys who are bald, who played basketball and we're basketball coaches. And we live in Johnson County, you know, affluent County in Kansas. Um, but we're, I would say fairly different in our outlook of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but we weren't necessarily, I'd say we were acquaintances and we, I just always enjoyed chatting with him. And I decided, you know what, this is a good way to build a relationship with a guy to just sit down and have a conversation every week with a guy who's now turned into a really dear friend of mine. So it was just a way to spend time with somebody who I wanted to get to know a little bit more. And so there we go. That's how it started. Cool. Okay. So second question is what has the reception been like among your audience, you know, your friends and family, you know, um, who is your audience? So that's a really good question. Um, I am very reticent to tell my students that I have a podcast. It's, I don't mind if they listen to it, but I also don't want to be like using my, (laughs) I don't want to like try and use my position of power and influence to gain listeners. And so I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't bring it up to him. Ryan doesn't have that problem. Mahoney just throws it out there. And so eventually the word gets out. So I would say half of our listeners are probably current high school students. We average about maybe 180 to 200 listens per episode, right? So we're growing, we're growing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And about half of them are probably current high school students. And the other half are just friends, family, and former students who've moved on. So um, yeah, that's, I think that's it. Yeah. We, we got a little bit of play once uh, an advertisement on a radio station in Kansas city due to a, due to a um, relationship that Ryan had with the DJ. I don't know if it led to anything. So I don't, honestly, I don't pay that much attention because again, the goal is still being met. I built a relationship and a maintaining relationship with a, with a friend of mine. So, and you just happen to share the conversations that happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's an excuse to have a conversation. So awesome. Question number three, how have you personally grown as a podcaster over these 100 episodes? Oh, What's really interesting thinking about this, because I've listened, I've, I've listened to a bunch of pods. And so I, the idea of trying to have a conversation is one thing, but to have a conversation that somebody feels like they could join into or want to listen to, I think is an interesting challenge, whether it be the pacing of how we speak, whether it be the, con, the content, um, what we create. Um, I think it's been really interesting to try and what I've enjoyed most about it is trying to develop two characters that people would be interested in hearing discuss something. I think if you're going to do a podcast, you either have, you have to have one of two things for your podcast to be listenable or valuable. Number Mm -hmm. one, you have to have some sort of expertise. Like, you know, a ton about something or I, or you, you have insights to like interview people. You have connections to do really cool interviews. So you got to have an expertise or you have to be a really interesting character people have to care about you and your character and the interaction of you two. And I think that's the strength of the five is that mm-hmm. Ryan and I, our characters are number one, I guess I keep calling them characters. They're genuine. I mean, we are who we are, um, but we also play up some of the differences there too. So I think trying to, to keep that while also still providing content that might be interesting, I think it's been a fun challenge, which I think we've gotten better at um, over two years of doing it over a hundred pods. So hopefully yeah. we've gotten better. I think so. Um, question four, what are, I don't know how to phrase this question. You know, what have been your favorite things or things you've enjoyed about Mahoney? Because I think you've said, said this before, but he's become a dear friend through the podcast, right? Right. Um, 
he's a very unique person. I don't have many people like Ryan in my life from this aspect. Ryan is completely open to hearing any idea. He will listen to anything. A lot of people say they're like that, but he really is like that. Mm. Like he, he, the, the main difference that showed up very quickly between us and our stories was our upbringings. I was, I was raised and I would say a normal evangelical church. And I had a pretty religious upbringing and Ryan had very negative interactions with religion early on in life. Yeah. And so he's, I, I would say he wouldn't say he's an atheist because he wouldn't say he's sure of that, but he would definitely say he's an agnostic leaning away from spiritual spirituality in any way. Um, and so it's been really interesting. What, what I've, what I've really come to really enjoy about Ryan is he's still open to anything he's literally open to anything and that's something that i didn't used to be and that's something that i'm trying to aspire to be more of to be open again not to be a fool but to be open to anything and ryan kind of inspires me to do that would you say you're not open to things yet or like is this just i i'm way way better than i used to be um again you you've only known me i mean shoot i mean was it you say 12 years ago I was only been teaching for like three years at that point. I was still a young teacher. Yeah. Um, but I think one of my, one of my, I guess to brag a little bit, one of my strengths as a teacher is, is using the, is, I'm very Socratic in the way that I teach in a way that I keep my own perspective and my own uh, uh, maybe biases out of what we're doing. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very good at just bringing things out of kids and presenting ideas. Um, but for a long time, that was very much a, um, a skill that I had. It wasn't who I was. Like I had strong opinions and I would make people know them in, in a non-professional mm-hmm. setting. And now I think that uh, I've, I've grown to where I'm, I'm pretty open to most things, it, it, except, except evangelicals, believe it or not. I've come completely out of that world. And now evangelicals kind of piss me off a little bit more. I have a hard time listening to them. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's weird. It's kind of flipped. Uh, yeah, so I really, pre- anyway, I really appreciate that about him. Um, he's very abrupt. He's very honest in some ways that can be considered rude at sometimes, but he is completely honest and open. And I can, I really respect that because I think that's something missing from a lot of people right now. Yeah. So. And, and it definitely adds a lot of spice to the podcast. That's 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yes. All right. Question five. Was there anything unexpected that came out of this podcast? Oh man. Um, I, yes. Here's what I've found that's been very interesting to me is that I, my parents and my in-laws both listen to this or not like, I'll have to tell them this one's going on, but they listen to the five. Like I figured my wife would, maybe some of my friends, but I did not expect my parents and my in-laws, all four baby boomers in their 70s, that would listen to this podcast. And what's been interesting is it, it just leads to conversations where I can just listen. Because essentially people get to hear what I think about something where we talk for like 45 minutes. And then when people respond, all I get to do is listen, which is cool. I, I, I've enjoyed that. And so it's kind of, it's kind of, I feel like my parents probably have a better understanding of who I am now right? Because they, yeah. they get to listen to me talk for an, an hour once a week. That's been a pleasant surprise. I didn't yeah. expect, I did not expect my parents to be listening to podcasts. That's for sure. You know, I, I was going to just ask you, like, does having your parents listen to it, does it showcase an aside to you that they aren't really used to seeing, you know? Ooh, 
Very good question. Um, it's interesting. I would, I would say, like, I remember being 20 years old or 25 years old and presenting a facade or fronting in front of people, like trying to present somebody who I was, but it wasn't necessarily honest or true to who I really was. And I remember, I don't know how old I was, probably about 35 when I felt like, oh, I think I'm finally doing it. I, I don't have to code switch at all. And granted, I'm a white dude in America, so I wasn't really code switching that much, right? Yeah. But I still was a little bit. Like when I was, you know, teaching Sunday school, I wasn't the same as when I was with my buddies, as when I was around my parents. And now I've completely got that out of it. It's, I'm just who I am. I speak the same way to everybody. Uh, I, don't, I don't have to. And so I, it's this immense place of privilege, which I don't think is because of, traditional ideas of privilege in the u.s because i'm white and i'm a dude i think it's just age and maturity you just you just get to a place where you're like yeah it doesn't you know i don't have to pretend to be anything anymore so in that way you find I don't worry about sense. it yeah a hundred percent hundred percent so i can i can talk on my pod about whatever i want and i don't care who listens to it mm-hmm. at one point my wife said cautioned me like you know at some point your kids might start listening to this and I was like, that's awesome. Like if I was 17 and I found a podcast my dad had done when mm-hmm. he was 40, that would have been really interesting to learn about my dad at a time when I probably like, when you're 17, you don't really want to talk to your parents, but to be able to find it and listen back and who they really are. In some way, it might be a little bit of a gift to hand off to my kids. Yeah. I don't a little know. keepsake. That might be arrogant. I'm pretty sure that's arrogant what I just said. <laughs> anyway. Um, cool. Cool. You know, I, you know, I, I want to like, I'm trying to think of, cause this is the five, I'm trying to think of five things off the top of my head that I appreciate about the five oh. podcasts. Uh, kind of off the top of my head, but I think, I think the first thing that comes to mind is your guys' chemistry. Um, oh. You know, I think even when you guys, when you do the introduction and you're like two middle-aged men, one who, you know, <laughs> does this mm-hmm. and the second thing is always making fun of Mahoney. Uh, mm-hmm. which is the second best part. You know, I, I love, <laughs> I love the way you make fun of him during, yeah. um, during different episodes, you know, uh-huh. and the way he reacts. Um, yeah. <laughs> Third thing is the thing I've always enjoyed about you as a teacher, which is the thought provoking questions, you know, mm-hmm. does this, does this break the GOP or, you know, what, what would it look like in a world without blank, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Fourth thing fourth and fifth thing <laughs> i'll just have to get back to you on that <laughs> that's okay that's yeah. all good <laughs> yeah yeah i um i'll think about that but for the time let's just for the for the time remaining let's just get into this um okay so what i imagine for our podcast here is that i will pick five things to react to um ideally these will be clips from the original episode but maybe they're just reactions overall and then we just then we just talk about it, you know, okay. dive deeper into it, ask tangential questions, give differing or other opinions, just ruminate on it. And I've mm-hmm. I have no idea how this is gonna go because this is our first kind of episode. So all right. Um for those of you who don't know what we're gonna talk about, we are gonna talk about episode 99, episode 99, which is five ruminations on COVID. So mm-hmm. um so first of all, this is a really recent one. This is the latest episode. So I yeah. think mm-hmm. I just wanted to dive into the most recent episode. Maybe we'll jump into the earlier ones sooner or mm-hmm. later. 
So, um, uh, what are we going to talk about? The five ruminations we have about COVID-19 pandemic at this point. Interesting. So welcome to the five, the podcast with two middle-aged men, one who has seven custom made tasteful masks to wear in this coming class, your classroom. And the other who has a Hulk Hogan face mask, which doesn't quite fit his face. Gets- <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> right. It's true. That's a hundred percent true. It's a ridiculous looking Hulk Hogan mask. He has. It doesn't work. <laughs> mm. Too bad it's not a video podcast, but um, <laughs> so that's the that's the episode introduction. Uh, mm-hmm. First question I have for you is who chose the topic and how come? Um, this one, believe it or not, we we were um, we were trying to is getting ready to the beginning of the school year. We knew we were going to be busy for a week, and so mm-hmm. we had recorded the podcast before this. The um, our five five things that bring us nostalgia, right? And then at the end, I was like, man, we should really do a pod on COVID-19 and what's going on right now. And he's like, let's do it right now. And so we spent about 10 minutes just thinking about our questions. And then we just did it because we were right there getting ready to invite kids back into the building. And all hell was breaking loose again with anti-maskers going to county meetings, making ridiculous statements and all that jazz. And so in some ways, this maybe was a little bit of, I don't know, letting off steam or catharsis. But it was, it, again, it's what we do. I hope it's what we do where things are going on and we were just thinking about them and wanted to talk about them. So in this way, this one was really shooting from the hip. Like we literally mm-hmm. did about 10 minutes of prep on this one. But again, we'd already been thinking about it. Yeah. And so it, came, it came organically. It came very organically is what I'm saying. You you wouldn't know it was just 10 minutes of prep because I, I, I guess it makes sense because it was so free flowing. But um, mm. yeah. All right. So... So just a couple notes. This 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 episode was originally released on August 9th. And um, a few things have changed since then. And mm-hmm. my first reaction is gonna be talking about one of those things. So let me let me play, let's see, let me play the relevant clip. So I think we're here. So insane. It's I, insane. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, okay. Uh, my second question or th- second thought here. You you shared two, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Trump could be the hero. How so? If, if he wanted to, oh, he could be. He could come out. You mean like he? he Decision making starting now. He could not, swoop okay. in. I thought you were saying. I thought you meant like history is going to write. All right, and then I'm going to jump a little bit later to right. 19 and a half minutes in. But I think I think you get what I'm getting. I'm getting. Yes, at, I right? do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Joel Austin's of the world. Yeah, like, yeah. like the Kenneth Copeland's yeah. of the world, and QAnon conspiracy boards flipped on them overnight. They've been taken mm-hmm. over by the pedophile, you know, the Jeffrey Epstein pedophile rings. They are actually a part of this. You cannot listen to them. Da, 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 da. These are people who had complete, who had godlike status to their followers, who then got flipped on just like that. Okay. Who so, could that not happen to? Trump. So, He's the only one. Hold on. So, all right. This, and then finally, he, he would change their hearts. <laughs> You're telling me he couldn't change the hearts of these anti-vax anti-vaxxers. What makes him different than those people? All right. Yeah. So right. Have I been proven wrong? I mean, that's a good question. Yeah. You saw that. So then did you see the Alabama rally? Right. So yeah. So the context, right, is that like a few days ago, Trump goes on one of his rallies, Alabama, and he starts encouraging people to get vaccinated and he starts getting booed at his rally. Right. Yeah. Oh man. You got it here? Oh boy. Yeah, we, we can we can play it real quick. Let's hear it. I believe totally in your freedoms. I do. You got to do what you have to do. But I recommend take the vaccines. I did it. It's good. Take the vaccines. But 
You got, no, that's okay. That's all right. You got your freedoms, but I happen to take the vaccine. If it doesn't work, you'll be the first to know, okay? Yeah, I, yeah. What do you think? You know, you know, I, I wonder if it's just because I've always, I, I, I was, I was in agreement with you, you know, I was like, Mm. he would, he would have some influence, but then, you know, but honestly, I was even surprised that he went out there and said, you should get the vaccine. Like, I wonder if there's a particular reason. That's a, that's a phenomenal question, right? Because you see some people, you see some in the GOP that are starting to walk back these things. A lot of governors, with the exception of the Florida governor, the Texas governor, and a lot of people in the GOP recommending this now, but I don't know why he did that. I don't know why he decided to come out and do that. Who knows why he's doing anything he's doing right now? Right, right. Like, why? Like, is there any reason he had the rally in Alabama to begin with? My, my view of this is that he's still trying to maintain some sort of revenue stream. He's still trying to make money off of people donating to something. Okay. But that's my guess. I haven't, I don't know. I have no idea. Or maybe he's, I mean, well, not maybe. He is a narcissist. So maybe he just needs that. You know, yeah. his happy place was these rallies. Everyone loved him. And I'd like to think maybe he's had enough people in his life saying, dude, this is bad. We need to get people vaccinated. That he tried that out to see if he could be the hero. Heck, mm-hmm. maybe he heard our pod and he was like, maybe I could be the hero. And he tried it and it didn't, it didn't work. It backfired on him. Mm, yeah. I, it's interesting though. Yeah, that definitely, if he gets that response, those people will never accept a vaccination. Right, right. Ever. And yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's it's surprising just for one, like the fact that, you know, he was the one saying you should get the vaccine, you know? And mm-hmm. the second thing is, you know, I like, I wonder if he would have been more like, it's just what, what I see is like, you know, oh, you got your freedoms, you know? And I think it seems like he just wanted to, it seems like he wanted to protect his, you know, his status with them in the end, but I can't, I don't know if mm. that knocked him down a few pegs in voters' eyes, you know? Um, but it, yeah. I have no idea. It, it's yeah. it's very interesting. And it's, yeah. it's very rare that that Im- I immediately get proven wrong that quickly by something I say. I mean, it was immediately. Yeah. Um, it, but that's, we live in a weird time, dude. That's all I can say to that. It is a weird time. sure and i i think the other thing that i draw from this is you know i think we all saw it as you know trump is the one that's affecting all these people but it seems more like you know these voters need to find somebody who espoused the idea that they were already harboring inside i i wonder if that's the more accurate model you know that's a great point right we can blame trump but ultimately maybe trump just even even his whole run to the presidency, maybe he just tapped into something that was already there. And so yeah. it really isn't him. It's just something that he, that, that's outside of that. Like this distrust of anybody who is an expert or in a position of power, I guess. I don't know. That's a really good point, Alan. Yeah. And, you know, you're the, I, are you still the AP government teacher? Um, mm-hmm. Yep. I still teach AP Gov. So like, do you have any insight on, you know, if it wasn't, Trump that began the distrust of like big government, big powerful institutions. Was there, 
was there any particular starting point you know because yes like, there's yeah there it, textbooks would say the starting point was watergate watergate in vietnam okay if you look at like pew research or gallup they'll have polls that show you would ask that question of you know do you trust the government and it took a dive in basically the 1970s and it's never recovered it had little blips at certain times but it's never been even close to what it was before vietnam mm -hmm. so i think that and then plus i mean just the rise th think about this idea of the rise of conspiracy theories yeah right those had to have existed i, I could wonder if in 1972 if someone thought eh, we weren't really on the moon i like got maybe someone had that thought mm -hmm. in 72 but you can't you can't ignore the effect that unfiltered the ability to publish things without any oversight on the internet to millions of people what the effect that's going to have on a population yeah like no one's editing that you can self-publish anything and mm -hmm. once you get access to that it's people who used to be in the wilderness by themselves now have found their communities and just allows for the spread of misinformation and so it and makes it even easier to distrust and i think it's just one of the things that we it's just the price of democracy you know and i think it's mm. you know it's like it's great to have freedom you know but you have to be mm. willing to accept that you get a whole mishmash of spaghetti on a plate you know with uh mm. with democracy so i mean trump i don't think trump is wrong mm. he says you've you've got your freedoms you know but then um mm. it's just this there's just so many there's so much discrepancy in the question of whether we have a collective responsibility to try to prevent covid you know mm -hmm. um so oh well that leads to an interesting point i was just talking to a fellow a colleague the other day about that and how I, I essentially i don't know if i'm stepping on something you want to talk about here but one of the points we bring up in this podcast is the idea that we think maybe the failure of the response to COVID is actually a branding failure it's not a failure mm -hmm. of the science it's that the public health officials didn't sell it correctly like they didn't they didn't how did frame... they sell it and how should they have sold it yeah go ahead so what I, and this is, I've heard people talk about this and being upset about this. When this thing started, all you heard was flatten the curve, flatten the curve, flatten the curve. <laughs> and you saw the images, the camera images of like the, the truck uh, morgues they had to bring into the hospitals in New York and everyone was freaking out. Like, not, like no one would go anywhere. Most people were staying at home, right? <laughs> and they said, flatten the curve so that we can get our hand, you know, get, get deal with this. And then that was it. We flattened the curve and people thought, okay, it's done. Not realizing, well, actually this is going to be, and you can find stuff of Fauci saying, this is going to be a two to three, three year process before it gets back to normal. He was saying that last summer, mm -hmm. but that wasn't the branding. The branding was flatten the curve. And then when it, it wasn't like, this is going to end for the long haul. You need to really care about this. You need to care about your neighbors, all that sort of stuff. It just ended People were like, well, now we should open up. Oh, wait, we still have to wear masks? Wait, now yeah. there's a vaccine? What we have to do? I mean, it was, I, I have people who I would consider reasonable people who believe in science and who care about others in my life who still will say, I don't think we should be wearing masks anymore. It, it doesn't make any sense. Hmm. So they, they just didn't communicate it well. They need to get a better PR person working for the CDC. It was... Jesus, it's been it's already been so long. Who was uh who was in charge of PR back it, then? It was there was anybody. It was Fauci. Fauci got put up in front. And part of that, quite frankly, 
is the fault of, of Donald Trump, right? He could have been the person to have communicated that well, but he bungled it. He just completely bungled it, right? Right. Um, and so then it was Fauci giving his press conferences and then Trump up there bundling, bungling away. And so there wasn't ever, I don't know if the American public ever really heard, guys, this is going to take 40 months to fix. Life will not be the same for three years. No one said that because let's face it, that's a depressing, horrible, not sexy thing to say. So there's no way in hell Trump was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then With the election I, coming up. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred um, percent. And I think the public health people and the media just grabbed onto this. Oh, flatten the curve. Really simple. And in this case, it was too simple. Hmm. I, yeah, I wonder, you know, I think you guys did say like, you know, how is history going to, how are they going to teach mm. this in classrooms, you know, 40, 50 years from now? And I wonder mm. if it's going to be a public health, you know, PR kind of lesson, just as much as it is about, mm. well, you know, vaccine research or anti-vaxxers or anything like that. Right. Uh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just a question for now. We'll find out when world. Um, all right. Let's move on to the second reaction. Okay. All right, let's see. So this one happens five and a half minutes in, I think. Okay, here's my first question I want to ask about this. Is there any reason to decide policy about COVID-19 democratically? To give the people a chance to say, to have town hall meetings, to have public comment, to have open, like, is there any reason to do that anymore? Um, I... So that's, that was, I thought that was a really interesting question. And before we actually like talk about the question itself, I want to ask, you know, did that, did that question come from something that you observed, you know, like working as a teacher in a school district? Cause it's not like I've been around that many town halls, you know, I think everybody around me is like, you know, masks, vaccines, you know, cause I'm at a uh, liberal university campus. So, mm -hmm. so your world, you haven't seen any of this anti-max anti-vax stuff. No, my, in my world is the opposite. My world is like moral judgment for not taking the vaccine, you know? So <laughs> right. then people uh -huh. don't talk about whether they've gotten the vaccine or not. Uh -huh. So the context with this is that there had, they had just had the, the Johnson County uh, board crap. Johnson County commission had just met to talk about the recommendations for schools this year. So Johnson County health came in and said, Essentially, they recommended that we masked. That's what they recommended. And at all of these meetings, they have public comment times built in. And I'm sure it's some sort of bylaw that's a part of the charter. They have to do it. And mm -hmm. the majority of people that come and speak during this time are just the far extreme anti-mask, anti-vaxxers. In fact, there was a clip that went viral, like nationwide, of a woman speaking at that meeting and she goes off talking about how no one actually died from COVID. It was actually 800,000 children who have been sold into sex slavery because oh, COVID is a cover for the Jeffrey Epstein sex pedophile ring. Like that was the comment that was going on at this meeting. And so she was like, so why are we even doing mass? You need to be worried about all these kids being sold into sexual slavery. Why? Why are we letting people talk anymore? Okay. Right. There's, and so uh, that's the context. And so I was like, okay, I, I knew no there was something ridiculous going yes. on that made you. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so we had seen that like last, last fall coming back to school, they had talked about not having fall sports. And so everyone was freaking out in our, in our community about that. And so they protested saying, let them play, let them play this fall. All we're doing school is completely normal with the exception. You have to wear a mask. Every, everything is going on. Marching band is going. Kids are everywhere. Full classrooms. Everything's normal, but you got to wear a mask and people are still losing their minds. And I just don't think there's any value anymore, right? There's value in hearing the debate and no one's bringing anything new to it. So Mm. why are we even listening to people? And quite frankly, for public health, should we be taking public comment? Like, should we be doing that? I don't know if we should. I think this has proven that we have a significant amount of people in this country who are very loud, who think they know they have certain rights and who have had no science education. Mm. Why should we? So now I feel like I'm Socrates, right? You know, I start my class every year talking about, well, now I do. I start talking about Socrates and how he, he had this fear for democracy, this tyranny of the mm-hmm. mob. He, mm-hmm. he just had a fear of it. Basically, he, he makes the argument, if you were getting on a ship to go in the Mediterranean Sea, you wouldn't take a vote for who the pilot should be. You would want the most qualified person to make the decisions for the boat, not a democratically elected person. It sure seems like we should be doing the same thing here. And in some ways, I mean, Fauci's still in charge, right? Yeah. The director of NIA, of the CDC epidemiology area, you know, so, I mean, but gosh, yeah. Yeah, it's just frustrating to see that, that I, I just don't think democracy fits in this. Do we really need to listen to everybody at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. You know, I, so that question that you posed in the, in the clip I played, you know, like, you know, like, should, you know, should we have any reason to decide COVID-19 policy democratically? You know, I, I asked, um, I asked one of my college buddies and, mm. you know, he, he brought up an interesting point. He said, I think he took it from the, you know, where do we draw the line? Like governments of power perspective, you know, like, mm-hmm. I think the question should be the opposite. Is there any reason not to decide on COVID policy democratically, you know? Oh, okay. Him saying, you know, because once you decide that COVID's an exception, then you've set a precedent for the future. And then what's the method you're, you're deciding to use the boundary? You know, is it economic impact, lives lost? And then there's this whole legal and political science question, because then, you know, there's is, there's mm-hmm. precedent in these things, like like going to war on certain issues. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, 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 and then when I thought about it, it's like, yeah, like, you know, like, if we, if we, if we ditch democracy during COVID, you know, why not do that with flu, which has, you know, still like 20 or, you know, in the tens of thousands of deaths per year. Um, and so I, I, I don't know, like, he, I think right. that point is fair, but mm-hmm. I think the point of, you know, like you should only make arguments if you have the expertise to back it up is also fair. So it's interesting because know. the slippery slope arguments, I'm always, sketchy of right because it's it's you're predicting something that's not actually happening right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now let's think about this within our system already within the united states institutions we already have non-democratic decision makers think about the fed like monetary Mm -hmm. policy is decided in this country completely non-democratically now i guess you could argue well we sort of elect the president who then gets to every seven years, choose a new fed chairman. And, you know, but, but let's face it, that was set up specifically to be non-democratic, Democrat, democratic 
because mm-hmm. we didn't trust the average person. We don't want the average person's voice figuring into monetary policy. Mm-hmm. We just didn't. And so we already have things like that. We have that with the FCC. We have, in fact, a lot of the regulatory agencies in the executive branch already function like that. So the slippery slope argument there doesn't, I don't know, it holds a little bit of weight if we didn't already have a precedent of all these things. So there's still an element of democracy there, but it's representative democracy Hmm. where you get to choose people who then choose people who then make decisions. But we don't want Janet Yellen, the director of the Fed, listening to Cletus's view on inflation. Right. We just don't. It doesn't matter. But Cletus can yell as much as he wants. I just don't think we need to have time at the meeting for him to yell at. Go outside and yell all you want. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of just convinced me that, like, you know, pure demo- pure democracy doesn't work because mm. <laughs> you, just, you just get a crap show afterwards. But, um, right. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's a fair point. I think, um, I think he and I tend to have, my friend and I tend to have more idealistic conversations. Ah, idealistically logical. Uh, you know, um, young that's guys. Stereotype of you, Chicago. To be frank, um, are so, you guys are you guys fans of Andrew Yang? Yeah, yeah, we ah, are. There we go. That's exactly yeah. what he is. Logical optimism. Optimism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I was, I was, I was really rooting for him and during the election, especially <laughs> with his, you know, with his personality, and then saying, you know, we have this, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to work for the whole country, um, and the <laughs> fact that you really seem to care for people, you know, but. You know, looking back, I'm like, you know, would it would it really work? You know, so mm-hmm. whole other question. But yeah, um, cool. Let's move on to the third reaction. Um, let's see. This one. I wonder. Let's see. I think it's 14 minutes in. Okay, so this one, I I, I just combined two different parts. Mm-hmm. But um, here we go. Do it. So I'm going to do it, right? Your wife's a doctor. Yeah. She's, I would listen. And, and yeah. wear a mask isn't a big deal. You know, you know it, just, it just isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but secondly, then, the question that comes to my mind is, I have, I have, I'm weird on this personally because I have a huge anti-authoritarian streak that runs in me. I don't want to trust mm-hmm. the man. I want to question anything anyone in authority tells me. I don't trust authority ever. But here I'm saying, just follow the rules. I'm trying to figure out why I'm like that in this. Because part of me would say, I'm wearing this mask because it's what's, it's what's best. It's what the medical experts are saying we should do. Just do it. Just shut up and do what the authorities say. But All right. And then mm-hmm. later on. What does me wearing my mask now represent? So when I run into Quick Trip and I have my mask on, because like, we've decided in my family, we're going to follow CDC recommendations. And that is if you're. So I, I thought that was a really, I thought that was a really interesting point, mainly because I think you're asking the question that gets into, you know, the, you know, it's what I feel when I walk. So I take the, I take public transportation in Chicago, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I, I'm seeing like, you know, a whole bunch of different people, either, either in trains or on the buses in Chicago on the South side. And, um, you know, like it's like a lot of them are very loose on whether or not they want to wear masks. And mm-hmm. I do get a little like, I don't know if self-conscious is the word, but I'm very aware. It's like I'm this like Asian kid who, you know, <laughs> doesn't look like all these, you know, to be frank, like 
you know, socioeconomically, like less well-off, you know, black folks that are on the same bus as me, you know, what are they thinking when they, when they see me with a mask and none of them are wearing masks, you know? Um, Hmm. And yeah, well, you know, it's, and it's like, what are, and I'm like, I also wonder, like, do people think I'm judging them if I'm wearing a mask and they aren't, you know? Uh, (laughs) But um, you're you're really going down the rabbit hole on that one. I'm really going meta, but Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, I guess, you know, what do you, like, I know you talk about this, but like, what do you think, what, you know, like, do do you have an answer to that question of like, why, why is my anti-authoritarian streak, you know, not, not really acting up when it's, when it's this case? Gosh, that's, that's a, that's a good question. Or where does um, your anti-authoritarian streak come from? Is it because oh, you think e- people should just have the people have the right to choose whatever they want to do and no one should impose anything on them? I think, I mean, okay, this, this is a deep question. We could spend a whole hour just talking on where my anti-authoritarian streak comes from. Um, I'm here's, down here's, with letting that be an episode <laughs> on its own, you know? <laughs> I'll tell you, here's the quick answer. I inherited it through my family DNA, like social DNA. I was taught that, um, not explicitly, but by actions and by observing, I would learn that. Um, and having, I think, lived, living in China and in an area of China that was very controlled, like it wasn't like Shanghai, Beijing, Tianjin, like some of these larger economic zones where you could forget that you're living in communist China. I saw the effect that had on my students and my friends there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being a student of history, having seen how things go wrong most times when people claim excessive amount of power, my own personal transformation in my, in my religious beliefs, uh, the damage I've seen the structures of authority in my church having done to people Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things together make me just think, I just don't trust it. I don't trust people in power, even people that have good, like, for example, the pastor at my church now, I believe has the best intentions in the decisions he's making, but I also think he's making decisions he shouldn't be making mm. because in quite frankly, I think if I was going to get down to the ethic that I've now, that I'm now completely having deconstructed all this stuff in my own faith journey and my own professional journey, I feel like it all comes down to this word consent. I think things need to be consensual. Mm. And I think for a government to rule over people, people need to give it their consent for me to give up authority for someone to have power over me. I need to give consent for that. And a lot of times, at least the people who, I respect who are in positions of power over me. They have earned my respect and I freely give my consent for them to govern me, even when I disagree with them. Uh, The principal at our school is a good example of that. I don't always agree with the decisions Principal Scott Bacon makes, but he has earned my respect. And so therefore I give my consent willingly to him to tell me what to do. Mm. And so it's this weird balance, right? I feel like, and maybe part of it's because my wife is a physician, but when you, when you look at someone like Fauci, Fauci has earned, he should, he should earn your respect. 
Yeah. His track record, what he has done. I mean, my wife, when he first showed up, when well, not first showed up, when he became a household name last spring or two springs ago. Holy crap. This time is weird. Um, when COVID first started, or it was last spring. Um, no, two springs ago. Jeez Louise, dude. I'm so lost. Spring of 2020. She pulled out her medical, one of her textbooks from medical school, and he had written it. I mean, he had literally written the textbook on epidemiology and something else. So even yeah. though I've never met the dude, the way he can he can part the way he purports himself and his the way he uh, his his uh, his credibility of his education and of his track record, he earned my respect, and so therefore I'm going to give him my consent. Mm. I'm going to consent to what his rules are. And that's what he says. And so hence, you're willing to wear masks. Is that is and that him, the... There we go. Okay. And then that transfers down to my wife. Because she has my respect of knowing what she's talking about. Not because she's a doctor, but because I've seen her and how she does her job. And how she does not speak with authority unless she has done the work and the research and the reading and the questioning to feel comfortable to speak in authority because I know her there, I'm going to, I'm going to demure that. I'm going to consent to what she tells me to do. It's awesome. that simple. And that's also why everybody in our immediate family also like gives in to her view on that because they, she has their respect. Now, when you get to like someone like Fauci, it's amazing that he's got that, right? Cause I've never met him dudes hanging, you know, it's the same way that I'm going to have a hard time trusting anybody in Washington, DC because I don't know him. Right. Right. So hmm. does that make sense there? I mean, oh, it totally does. You know, and I mean, you you being the good little boy, nice little Asian-American, Alan, you're going to follow rules. Right. Right. Isn't that in I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, it's kind of in my social DNA um, to borrow a phrase that you just said. And, and that's that's a whole other conversation, because I think um you know, I'm just like, what is it like? What does it mean to be Asian in America? And and it's to have this mm. kind of like Confucian, <laughs> this Confucian, you know, this kind of like, yeah. Even if you don't realize it, this like Confucian foundation to like, you know, your mm -hmm. your culture, you know, because mm -hmm. um, that's I think that's what ties together Eastern Asian countries, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And to see how that mixes with one's desire to have like this independence and freedom that is espoused in American life, mm -hmm. it's 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 this, it's this very unique, you know, space yeah. that I, you know, that I think describes like Asian Americans. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I totally blanked on what we were just talking about. Um, <laughs> but like the, the authoritarian consent. question or yeah, yeah. consent of authority. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like my reaction to Fauci is like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I was, in my head thinking like, Oh, you know, am I going to respect him? You know, I, I feel like for me, it's easier to just be like, you know, he probably knows what he's talking about. <laughs> and I think it's not a big deal to wear a mask. Let's just do it. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, but my reaction to other people not wearing a mask is it's also very mellow, at least for me. I think, I think really? I'm, the, I'm kind of the odd one out to be honest. Um, huh. I think this is, this is actually something I, I save for a later reaction or a topic, but I think I'm, mm -hmm. I find myself to be a lot less opinionated or judgmental um, towards people who don't wear masks or don't get the vaccine. Um, mm. But we can talk about why, but I, I like the, 
I like the idea of earning authority, earning your respect and therefore consent despite disagreement. I think that's a really, mm. a really cool way of putting it. Cause I think, I think I was trying to understand or think about, you know, why does, why does Maori think that way? And I mm. was just wondering, you know, maybe it's just, you can't make an apples to apples prediction of, cause it's one thing for like, you know, a communist government to try to brainwash you, you know, you have to think that the government's perfect versus Hey, wear a mask to be more considerate of your neighbor, you know. Hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I think this idea of consent is something that I hadn't really thought about before. So, yeah, that answers my question. <laughs> what does it mean to wear? Yeah, what does wearing my mask represent? Like, I, I don't know. What the, I really don't know what that means anymore. Right. I, I yeah. want to. I want to believe. When people see me with a mask, because this is what I want to believe when I see people in a mask, mm-hmm. that that's somebody who cares about the people around them, even if they don't know them. Yeah. That's what I want to believe. And that's how I hope I'm perceived, but I know it's probably not how I'm perceived all the time. Yeah. You know, if I wear a mask, I don't think I'm that good of a person. Like, I don't think I'm like, oh, oh I, I want to protect oh. everybody around me, whether or not oh. they're vaccinated. Like, I know that that's, I, I think that's what I'm doing. You know, maybe it's just not my conscious thought, but I'm just like, you know, my thought is like, oh, COVID's probably still a thing. As long as it's a non-zero probability, I should do it. You know, mm. you know, what's the big deal? You know, I'm so used to masks. What's the big deal? But. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know. But I, I also just think like, yeah, like, you know, like if, if I could, if I guess, I guess it, it, you're still right though. It's like, if I can still, if I can lessen harm done to anybody, then there's no harm in wearing a mask, you know? Um, maybe that's just another way of saying, you know, be considerate of, you know, everyone around you, but I don't know if I think, huh. yeah, go ahead. So you don't think that like, cause I'll tell you, like having kids in this, uh-huh. that's just, that's how we sold our kids on this. This is a way that you can be a good citizen by mm. showing people you care about them. And kids don't care. They just do what they're told to do, right? But that's how we tried to present that to them. Yeah, I just... I guess I don't think of myself as, oh, I'm a good citizen, you know, if I wear this mask. I'm just, mm. for me, it's more of like, this This is the logical course of action, you know? Like... Mm. COVID huh. is still COVID is still a pandemic. And if we want to reduce its transmission, even by just a smidge, then huh. for me to wear my mask is is worth it, you know. Wow. So you're looking at it as a medical professional. Pro- yeah, I think so, you know. Hmm. And and I like I I think I can also say, like, you know, with um, you know, if I act as though my actions or like a, you know, how do I say it? If I act as though my actions are a universal law, then I ought to wear my mask. You know, if I don't, then, you know, hmm. what I have no reason to complain about other people wearing masks when I think they should. Okay. You know, okay. so it's, it's a little bit Kantian if, if, if you get, if you go to him. Yeah. 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 No, hundred yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. That's just, it's just my, this is my way of seeing it. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know what I'm getting at there, but <laughs> but this this does kind of lead into my next question or reaction, which is, okay. you know, like I I noticed like when you guys have your conversation, you know, there's this assumption of 
if you're not getting the vaccine, you're doing something that's morally reprehensible. Hmm. And can we, can we, can we really assume that or really say that, you know, and cause I, I think I'm just very cautious about making moral value judgments of other people. But mm-hmm. that being said, my personal view is like, yeah, you should probably get the vaccine, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and play the clip. Okay. This is reaction four. Cool. Quick. And here's my, my number two question okay. is what's the downside of getting the vaccine? Hmm. What are people freaking out about? And the answer to that is if you've been abused by the system before, right. okay, maybe, yeah. but rich white people don't have any reason to not get the vaccine. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. that is null and void. That is not. So when you see on the news, the Vikings quarterback, Kirk Cousins saying he's not going to get. The- okay. That's, that's enough. Um, mm-hmm. What do you, so I have a question for you. Like, what do you, like, how do you feel, you know, towards people who don't get the vaccine? <sighs> My first and my first response wants to say, because I, I really, oh man, my gut wrench, my, my gut response is to say, you're just, you're just selfish. Mm. Like you can't see outside of yourself. And then I want to walk that back, right? I'm going to walk that back. That's my first thing. Because my wife says, it's interesting because she, she's not seeing as many with, with the bump coming up again. Uh, in numbers here where we're at, uh, what that means for her as a primary physician is she, her numbers go down, right? People aren't going to go get a physical if they're worried about, you know, going to a place where sick people are, but she has found that she's used that extra time by not seeing as many patients. It's being consumed by her trying to convince people to get the vaccine. Hmm. So she's been doing this a lot, trying to say, well, you know, she's trying to convince people to do this. And so at heart, she's got this optimism with her, the idea that, oh, if people just have all the information from a non-biased source, a credible source, then they will eventually make the right decision. And the majority of people she talks to don't get the vaccine. (laughs) And so I don't know the reason why not. Mm. After she presents that, after she presents everything, and now, like there's some people out there, because just today you know, or yesterday or today, whatever, the FDA gave approval to the Pfizer vaccine. Yeah, another change since the day your right. podcast aired. And some people are saying, this is great. Now this will finally change those people's minds. That's complete BS. Yeah. No one's changing their mind now. There's no way, right? And right. so why do you not do that? Why do you not do that is my question. Mm. It's And so it's it's gotta be, just a heavy focus on the now and the individual, not thinking about society as a general, in, in general. But I'm open to being wrong on that one. So my question to this is, like, you know, um, do you think, do you think distrust? So a lot of people say distrust of the, you know, big pharmaceutical companies or the government is there is one of the reasons, right? Do you think Hmm. that is, do you think that's selfish or do you think like is, you know, is listening to conspiracy theories or other misinformation, is that selfish? I, I, I don't know, you know, but I, 
I've so I I've been talking to people and I've started meeting like I've started talking to people who don't get the vaccine and mm -hmm. I ask them why. Um, and it's, it's it's rather rare to encounter, uh, you know, in Chicago, at least, I, I think. Um, and some of them say, you know, I I don't trust big pharma. I, you know, I feel like it's a chance for them. If, if it weakens your immune system, it, it's a chance for them to make money or something. Um, mm -hmm. If. Or, you know, oh, like the vaccine is, you know, it does certain things with the spike protein um, or, oh, I don't know if the mRNA vaccine is going to do something to my genome um, with mm -hmm. re reverse transcription or something. You know, even even um, a biology graduate student in, uh, that I know, she she and her husband didn't want to get the vaccine hmm. for that for that reason. Um, some people say like, oh, what if it affects fertility or, oh, I already got the disease, you know, and and the thing is, like, I. I, I just found myself realizing I I don't like the label anti-vaxxer because when you put things, mm. when you box it up in a label, like, can you believe mm -hmm. that she, she's an anti-vaxxer? It makes it, in my mind, I equate it with like, that person's a crazy person. That person's mm. like, that person's like out there, you know, like that person's like the person who thinks that COVID deaths are Jeffrey Epstein, whatever cases. Um, but outside of that, they're like very reasonable, nice people that I don't see as selfish at all. But it's just towards this issue, they just are very cautious towards getting the vaccine. And mm -hmm. it makes me just, it makes me, how do I say it, tone down any desire to put any opinion or label or mm -hmm. whatever on them. Because they're like, I think they're very good people otherwise. Um, and I don't know if you've had similar experiences in in Kansas, I, I imagine that to be the case because it's a it's a red state. But it's I don't a good any point. On that. Right. Well, because you're talking to people, right? I I haven't had a personal conversation with someone who's an anti-vaxxer. Okay. Like I I just I don't have because we've been quarantined not quarantined but we've been limiting our exposure. Mm -hmm. I'm not around people who I who I know that aren't vaccinated. And so I don't have experience with that. And it's funny because in so many other ways of life, like if, if I'm, if I'm liberal and you're conservative, I'm not going to look at you with your conservative views and say, you're crazy. Right. I'm going to mm -hmm. say, we disagree mm -hmm. exactly what you're talking about there. But this one, I, I have a hard time on this one. Mm. I just do. It's interesting. Yeah. And I don't know why this might be a blind spot for me. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cause you're making me feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm an old I'm an old fogey who's who can't listen to people. I'm sorry, young that's and... not my goal here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. This is one of those things where I was looking into, you know, why don't people give the vaccine? And this BBC article, they said five C's: confidence, complacency, calculation, constraints, collective responsibility. It's it's always one of those five reasons, and I think that's a very okay. it's a fairly good model. And it seems like. I think if you don't believe in collective responsibility, maybe that falls mm. under selfishness, you know? Um, okay. I have heard the counter argument uh, from one of my friends. And I, I don't know if this is, I don't think I totally agree with this, but um, that friend was like, well, I, I feel like if people want the vaccine, they've already gotten it, you know? So, mm. you know, but then that doesn't factor into the immunocompromised. So I don't, I don't know. I just, this is one of those things where my mind runs faster than my mouth and um okay we could talk about this but um 
Yeah, I do think. Yeah, I we could we could ask this because I have no idea what to think about this. Uh -huh. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, well, it, I mean, no, your your point is valid. It's a good thing to think about, right? Mm -hmm. But like, like, so ultimately, it makes it makes me think about this. Like, my wife and I haven't been back to physically to our church since March of 2020. Mm. Um, because honestly, I mean, we stayed out for essentially a whole year just because of there was weren't vaccines and there's old people at church. We didn't want to kill anybody. Right. Um, and then we just haven't gone back for essentially for fear of having to be around the people who were very anti I don't know what term to use now since you make me feel like anti-vax is a slur. I don't I'm know sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like people who won't want to get vaccinated and won't want to mask. And mm -hmm. they've pushed to make sure that our church is, is, mask, is mask optional instead of okay. mask mandatory. And so I don't want to be around them because I'm afraid mm -hmm. anger is just going to come out. I'm afraid, you know, like that, that's, I don't, I don't want to be around them because okay. part of that is I like these people and I'm afraid that that's going to confirm that they're bad people, quote unquote, bad people. So, so when you say you want anger to fly around, you're saying you want them to get angry or. No, I, I don't want my anger to, to, to come uh, okay. up towards them. Like this old, you know, nice old lady who I've known for 20 years. Oh yeah. Well, she's like, you know, thinks Obama's a secret Muslim and loves Donald Trump and thinks you know, all this sort of stuff. I, so do I really want to see who she really is? Because do I still trust that I can love her and show her love if I mm. know how different her views are from mine? Mm. So ultimately, I, I mean, so it's fear, I guess, is that I have fear of going back into that situation where it seems like you're just accosting people on the bus and asking them if they're getting vaccinated or not. Cause you're young and hip and you live in an awesome city. <laughs> yeah. No, that's you've, you've give me some things to think about on that one. Okay. Seriously. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, you know, when I talk to people, you know, the assumption is like, man, I can't believe they're not vaccinated. You know, um, that's the, that's what they're, that's the under, like, that's the underlying, that's the undercurrent, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and, I feel a little bit of discomfort to be honest because and, and I think what it is is I don't I don't mind the the view that you have I mind if it's um if it's like you assume everyone should have that view or you're a bad person it, 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 it's like um mm. it's it's the same thing behind it's 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 like this militant aspect behind your personal belief okay if um and I think and I think this is um my response to the very last reaction, which is Mahoney's question, which is all about 31 minutes in. It's, it's a question though, it's not a statement. As we talked about this together before here too. Mm -hmm. Should people who don't wanna get vaccinated mm. get pushed to the back of the line for healthcare? Mm. If, if the problem is now that we're unflattened the curve and now our hospitals are gonna get overrun again with people who have COVID-19, mm -hmm. should, the, if those people that are showing up at the hospital have not gotten vaccinated and have plenty of opportunity, it's free, Healthcare providers have it if they need it. With all these, there's all kinds of ways to make that happen. If they still won't get vaccinated, instead of somebody who's having a heart attack getting pushed to the back of the line because they were mm -hmm. there first, should they get told, "Sorry, 
you had opportunity to make this prevent this. You didn't. You're moving to the back of the line. So denying. Yeah. So okay. that question, it made me quite uncomfortable, to be honest. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, so you, you said, you know, is it okay to deny service to people um, if they haven't gotten the vaccine? Um, do you remember what your response to that question was? I, I oh. didn't play it out. Oh boy. Um, I want to believe, well, here's the deal. Cause my wife talked to me a lot. We talked a lot about this specific idea and she has okay. very strong beliefs that no, you should not deny care. And granted, she's a physician. That's part of her oath. Right. Mm. But she had good moral arguments for this and ethical arguments as well. Part of me wants to say, I don't think I want to live in a world where we're going to do that. I don't know if that's what I said, though. Okay. What did I I say? Catch me. Give me, this is a gotcha. This is a gotcha podcast, Alan. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. Let's, let's, let's go back and play it. Okay. To people. Not saying denying you can't get it, but you're not going to be the priority if you haven't gotten a vaccine. Mm. There's no way for us to talk about the practical aspect of that. We're just talking about like the moral or ethical question of it, right? Right. We, we're not <sighs> we're not at doctors in the hospitals, no. But I guess then you throw it in smokers too. Yeah, you or know, like, obese people, or people or, who eat fast food too often. Right. I mean, like I don't know. So it it it's a, opens up a thing. But when it's so easy, it seems like such an obvious solution that you wouldn't be here if you just took the shot. Hmm. I if yeah. if Joe is having a heart attack and Susan is in the waiting room for COVID-19 and now Joe's going to die because he has to wait on Susan for having COVID-19 when she could have taken a shot. And now Joe dies. That's, I mean, some of that's gotta be on Susan a little bit. Yeah, but I'm sure it's not that simple of a question. Like that scenario that you put out right there, right? It can't be that simple of a scenario. I know. I mean, yeah, it, I want, there's something inside me holding me back from saying, yes, that's your just desserts. Just take it. You know, it's your fault. I mean, oh, good. Yeah. So, so there's something in me that stopped me. Good. I'm, I'm okay with that answer. I'm okay with what yeah. I said there. Yeah. What, what was Jess's, her, what are her moral and ethical arguments? I'm curious. It, it, it was a slippery slope argument. Okay. It, it was the idea of, well, what, she broke it down saying, what essentially you're saying is, is we're, we're not going to treat you or we're, we're going to deny service to you if your problem is based upon a decision that you made. Mm. Right? And she goes, what does that apply to? Because that applies to way more than Everything. just the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Yes. And so... And she goes, so you can't do that because you just can't do that with everything. That's not how medicine works. Right. She goes, I spend most of my day trying to convince people with diabetes to change their diets. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work. And I still treat them. And I was like, mm-hmm. good point. And then that brings into kind of our own personal, like our family ethic, which is we are going to be hope if, if it takes it, we're going to be self-sacrificially loving and kind to other people. That's beautiful. I, oh, I, well, thank I you. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you think when you hear that? All right. So I was trying to, I was thinking about this um, in the hours before we record, we we're recording this thing. And okay. um, I think here's how I'll put it in the words. I think that, perspective that Mahoney puts forward like you didn't get the vaccine you're in the dead you're you're a dead last in the waiting list for healthcare access hmm. the phrase I'd use to describe that is almost like this moral or philosophical imperialism you know this is my view that 
you not getting the vaccine is morally reprehensible. And therefore, I'm going to impose this policy that affects a wide range of people because I know that getting the vaccine is morally best and better than whatever you have decided. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like it's this idea of, you know, my this morale, this moral, you know, stance ought to be the basis for your punishment. And I think it's 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 that slippery slope because then other other companies, other anyone, you know, other churches can then decide, you know, we're going to put you dead last because of a decision that you made. And I think hmm. that just ties back into the slippery slope argument. Right. Um, yeah. It even reminds me of our conversation about Afghanistan, of how okay. the U.S. decided, we know what's best for your country. We're going to instill this government. Although I I don't know if that's exactly the same thing. I just, uh, my, my brain just makes connections. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's different when insurance companies might charge you a higher premium for not okay. getting the vaccine because you are at higher risk uh, and uh-huh. they're serving their own self-interest, you know, yeah. um, they don't want to pay as much for you. So for some reason, like, despite there being this, a similar kind of outcome, you're penalized mm-hmm. for the vaccine. If insurance companies do that, it's less of, I'm not going to serve you out of a moral mm-hmm. judgment and it's more of a self-interested economic judgment it's yeah it's econ- it's an economic decision right yeah so it's it's i don't know it's interesting how the the basis or the intention behind a policy kind of informs how we view it but mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't know that's that's just my thought on it i hope that made sense it, it does it, it's just ultimately the the question there is a question that i've been thinking about a lot because the question you just asked, or we just talked about, is the question of what is justice? Mm. Like, is it, are they getting their just desserts? Is it justice that someone else, is it unjust that someone dies because there's not enough resources to save them because these other people refused to get this vaccine and then they took up resources? And that question of what is justice, is, it's a huge question. I don't want to start talking about that now. But that I ultimately I think that's what's at the heart of it mm. is what is the just decision there? And that's a tough one. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I got for us. Um, cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say? No. I I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Um, knowing that you are listening so closely, pulling out clips and getting ready to uh to hold my feet to the fire. It makes me feel like I need to be a little bit more studious when I make my list from five episodes from here on out. I really need to do my do my uh, do my do my due diligence. I feel like like a politician now. If I say something, oh, they no. might get me later. Okay. So no, yeah. it's it's good. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed speaking back on this mostly because I like so many times when you're doing a pod, you're just speaking out to the wilderness, and you have no idea if anyone's listening and. This makes me think, oh, cool. Someone's listening and someone's thinking about it. So it makes me feel good about what we're doing. So I enjoyed awesome. that. So you yeah, know, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I didn't mean to, you know, try to slow cook or burn you through this podcast recording. Um, but I have realized that with conversations with mm-hmm. other friends, you know, a lot of them are like saying, I have this big opinion. And then I'm the one who kind of takes a rubber mallet and I'm like, 
what about this? What about that? You know, <laughs> and I feel like that's exactly what I'm doing um, with these five reactions. So nah, yeah. it does not bother me. I'm joshing a little bit there. I, okay. I can handle it. Yeah. So it's all good. Yeah. No, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how you respond to other things we've done. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, thanks everyone for listening and uh, hope you join us next time. Bye. Talk, talk to you next time. Bye.